the Mental Health Boot Camp Podcast. The podcast where four psychotherapists, three of us from Canada, one of us from the United States, serve you cutting edge mental health knowledge. I am Ryan Howes, a psychologist from Pasadena, California. I am Brooke Lewis from Vancouver, Canada. I'm Chris Boyd for Vancouver, and today, Joanna, my sister, is not here, so the old man is back. Psychologist from Vancouver, Dennis Boyd. Good to be here. Oh, so good to have you here, Dennis. Thanks for filling in. Last minute. There you are. I'm thankful for you, which is appropriate because it's Thanksgiving here in the United States, Mm. even though you guys had your Thanksgiving like four months ago, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Felt like four months ago, that's for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, so, we go, Ryan. How, how oh, go? I'll tell you, Thanksgiving was, was good for us, for my family. It was pretty small. Uh, the recommendations down here are to keep things pretty, pretty small, no big gatherings. Uh, so it was just uh, the four of us. Uh, instead of a full turkey, we just had a turkey breast this year. We had, uh, but we had way too much food anyway. All the other. The green beans and the mashed potatoes. I made so much mashed potatoes, I could last us for months, I think. Uh, uh, And there's still so much pie left. We have an apple pie and a pumpkin pie. I wish I could share it with you guys. Mm. Very, very, very good. That's great. So, Ryan, up here, we have a tradition, sort of, or some people up here have this tradition for Thanksgiving or Christmas or both which is um, crisp, like crackers, table crackers. So not the crackers you eat, but they're like paper wrapped uh, little gifts where they have a, a, a string that you pull and it makes a pop sound. And then inside is like a, a little trinket and a, a joke of some sort or a riddle typically and a paper hat. And then you have to put the paper hat on. Do you guys do that? <laughs> no. No, so crack. Okay, hold on. Crackers, but crackers. but it's it's not it's not edible. It's it's a cracker because it makes a cracking sound. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Okay, and then and it's but there's like a gift inside, and it's also a hat. <laughs> it's, a, it's a paper crown. <laughs> it's a paper crown you put on, and there's a different toy or trinket in each one. So everyone has a it's like a variety of things, like little playing cards or. I don't know. Uh, nail oh. covers. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I don't know. All kinds of stuff. It must so, be a British thing, eh? It must be a, a British thing. Dennis, know. do you know? I think it might be, although I've seen them in, I remember them even as a kid here, uh, growing up here in Canada. But um, the big elaborate ones with the, like it's like a container with two little ends you pull. It's quite, they're quite neat. That uh, That's very British, I think. Oh my goodness! I, I, I'm, we do, we don't do that down here. I'm not, at least not that I'm aware of, unless there's yeah. some transplants down here. But wow, that sounds so. It's just something you do while you're while you're eating, or something while you're just kind of visiting. No, before you eat. Before. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you cross arms, so that you pull each other's crackers, kind of. <laughs> what? Like like one end and one end, or some people do that. My family okay. often like cross crackers and the helps pull yeah. and and then they all go crack 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 and then you have to put your sil- your paper crown on while you eat oh and they're my. all different colors so they're like 
purple and yellow and green and these little paper crowns. Oh my, and so this is kind of what kicks off the party then. All right, everybody, we're, we're rolling now because the crackers are out. All right. Someone yeah, pulled out like the crackers, it's time for the party. Part of your place setting is your party oh. is your cracker. Oh sure yeah, there's a that, photo of what they like look that. like. Okay, it's just like a tube, a round tube. Yeah. yeah. With yeah. like candy ends like that you would pull off, yeah. Wow, yeah, that sounds, I mean, that sounds great. I would love to yeah. participate in that. It sounds like a lot of fun. And so do people stock up on the crackers like a few weeks before each of these holidays? And Some do. Yeah. If you leave it too late, you don't get them because they're sold out. So, yeah. Mm. yeah they're but widely popular. available at all the stores, right? Okay. And then wow. people buy from specific stores because they might want like what's in like Costco's little trinkets are, are different from the yeah. trinkets you're going to get at Safeway, you know? The Costco ones are better, I think. And the paper hats are better. They last a little longer. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, just to make as if as if the holiday wasn't special enough, you add crackers to the mix and it just becomes that much more magical, huh? Yeah. <laughs> You're getting cracked up, Ryan, about this. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I am. It's it seems really funny. I'm sure there must be a, a rich tradition to this that I don't quite understand, but it's, I don't think uh, any of us do. None <laughs> of us really understand, but you get like yelled at if you don't put your paper crown on. Like right. it's part of the deal. Wow. And the cheesy jokes, right? And the super really cheesy jokes. It. Yeah. Wow. Well, that sounds great. Well, the only place we have the paper crowns is really at Burger King. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And there's no special occasion for that. Yeah. Now, wow. Dennis, Dennis's family had a good one. It was a cracker set with uh, the little. What the little whistles? Oh yeah, wasn't well, that a cracker set? Extra special set had whistles, and the more you pay for the crackers, the better the the goodies. Yeah, so these little whistles came with like um, sheet music. Right. Each whistle has a number on it, and then it tells you what number to blow, and so you have to like point and oh, it's a hoot. That was good. I think that sounds really really wonderful. I'm not. Again, not sure what to make of it, but uh, if it makes it that much more fun for the holidays, I'm all for it. There you yeah. are. Let's export that down here. We would love to have that next holiday season. Taking note. I, yes, of course. I think it's a maybe an untapped market in the United States. That'd be great. I could be the, the U.S. distributor of crackers and who knows, make billions that way. That's great, Mental Boot Camp. We do online programs and Christmas crackers in the United States. <laughs> that's that's, that's pretty good business for. model. And we also sell the Ugly Christmas Sweater Rebellion books here. I got my copy this week. It's amazing, great story, heartwarming, wonderful illustrations. So this, was, uh, this is the book that Chris put together. If you heard our podcast last week, we talked about it a bit. But uh, really wonderful artwork and a, a beautiful story. So Ugly Christmas Sweater Rebellion in bookstores now. I appreciate that. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks for the plug. Love it. Love it. Okay. So on this, uh, on this holiday evening, for me at least, a crackerless holiday evening, I <laughs> would... Uh, I can't help but notice that Joe is not here. Your dad is here. And Joe was supposed to be the one who did the ambush tonight, right? Yeah. 
So, so does that mean that we get to have a dentist ambush tonight? You do, you do. I tried uh, to send it to you. Did it arrive? Uh, I don't have anything at this point. No. Okay. Oh, wait a second. Yes, I do have it. It's right here. Sorry, I saw it right now. Okay. Did you uh, block his number or something like that? I didn't block his number. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't recognize his number, of course, because we've never texted before. But now I have it. We are all set to go. The ambush where one person knows what the topic is, the other three of us do not. This is Dennis's topic for the evening. You guys ready? Oh, before we do, do I got to ask, Dennis, is it yours or is it Joanna's that you're sharing? Uh, Joanna was really good uh, and said, it's, it's up to me. I could do what I want. So uh, I came up with one. I told her about it. And then she said, I think I, I can think of a better one. And so <laughs> I more or less got to choose it. But it's sort of a combined effort. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good. The best. The best the Boyd family has to offer. Sorry, Chris. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Here's the topic, relationships and COVID. How are re relationships doing in the midst of COVID? Marriages, families, and parenting. And discuss some strategies that people might use. So relationships and COVID. The pandemic, has it made an impact on relationships? Or is everything just fine? <laughs> Nothing to worry about here. It's just a viral thing. There's really not impacting relationships at all. Next topic, right? There you are. Okay. What do you think, Chris? Um, based on my experience, absolutely, it has impacted the relationships. And I, I find that um, I'm hearing some, some great feedback from clients and friends and family members. I'm also hearing some, some not so good feedback as well. So I think in a lot of ways it's strengthened relationships and in others it's caused a lot of distress as uh, families have had to adjust and maybe spending more time together and have had to find new ways to cope with the circumstances of today. Yes. So how do you think it has strengthened, Chris? How do you think, what do you think has been a, a, the plus for some of the people you've spoken with? Um, I think it kind of goes back to that work-life balance a bit. Sometimes we get so busy with uh, work and our social obligations and hobbies and interests that maybe people weren't putting the time and energy into their the, the relationships that matter the most in their lives. So I think COVID kind of adjusted that for people and and allowed couples and, and families to, to connect, to put that time aside and maybe spend more quality time together playing games and whatnot. So um yeah so so one way i obviously an obvious one is it created a space and place to to make that more or a priority as it, it should be a priority but it's kind of highlighted that mm. yeah on on that sort of well not really that note but how it might have improved as well is um in a backwards way i think when the shutdowns are happening it, there was a lot of stress obviously but it also took away a lot of things. So a lot of things that would normally distract us, extracurricular activities, um, or mm. if everybody was off work or working from home and all these different things, which for some of, I don't work with couples, but I do work with adults, I work with teens, so then the parents. And it seemed like, um, you know, some families, there was increased conflict at that time but it was good because all those other things were actually um, causing avoidance of the issues that needed to be addressed. 
And so then some of those families were able to actually work on those issues and strengthen his families um, and partnerships and other ones weren't able to work through those. But I think it gave the space um, to actually put the spotlight on it for a lot of people. I so you're saying these may be underlying issues that weren't being addressed. Now they finally had to, they, they couldn't I, run from it any longer. They had to finally face these it things. Was, it was there, yeah. And you had to, right? Mm-hmm. which in the, in the long run is going to actually make those relationships stronger. Great points. Great points. Sure. What do you think, Dennis? Uh, a couple of thoughts. So when, when it first happened, some of the families I work with were having a great time. It was like a special holiday. Uh, the novelty lasted a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, and then it started to fade. And those pressures that you're talking about started to show up. I think the problem with that is that, and some couples have done really well, but there's a whole bunch that aren't doing it as well because they don't have that, the skill set or they don't really know how to connect or how to avoid power struggles. Like when you look at divorce literature, one of the reasons divorces happen is power struggles. And, uh, and if couples don't know how to not power struggle, they're going to have some doozies because the pressure is on. So um, I think there are couples that are struggling a bit more than, than they might otherwise, but there's ways we'll talk strategies. There's some things they can do to help with that. But I think the pressure's on marriages in particular. Dennis, what do you think it is about COVID and the time that we're, that people are spending with one another that's, that's highlighting the power struggle? Why do you think that brings it to the surface? Well, couples by definition, generally, uh, you think of your own relationship and those, your parents and whatnot, are similar in a few ways and very different in lots. And so you'll have a planner and a spontaneous person and you'll have a morning person and a night person, a sloppy person and a neat person. So it, they have different priorities. And so they have different ways of doing things and they start getting irritated with each other and not finding that common ground, you know, and if they know how to find common ground, they'll do really well. And if they don't, and some couples are doing swimmingly, you know, they're doing really well. And others, I think are, there was a, something in the paper the other day about a woman who died this week from, family violence and she's this young mother holding her child and I'm hoping that's not happening too much but one of my clients is a female police officer and she said they're getting more calls for domestic stuff than they uh, did long before so mm. I think there's uh, it's escalating for some families certainly yes and then with that it trickles down right so yeah. The, the stress from the parents, it, it'll trickle down through the family and into the kids and those relationships. Um, and that's on a household level, but I'm sure if we were to think on a macro level, that might be happening as well in different communities and, and whatnot, like the state of our governments or the world yeah. and COVID and the leaders trickling down into the businesses, job yeah. security, finances, put stress on the parents, which then comes down to the children. and. Yeah. I don't think yeah. it's an accident that Ryan up here, the, the government's trying really hard to keep the schools open and they'll only shut a school down if there's a lot of COVID showing up there. And they, they're doing that to keep those kids out of the home in there with their peers. Cause at home, the kids love being with their parents. There's no doubt about that, but then they're missing their peer group. So uh, I think they're, they're losing out by, and so there's that big emphasis on trying to get them out there, hang out in their schools and, at the last resort, close them down. I was just talking with my kids today about the fact that their last day of school was Friday, March 13th. That was the last mm-hmm. time they were in their classroom, which is so wow. long ago, so wow. long ago. Yeah. And they, they miss their friends. They, 
when when times were a little bit better than they are now, they were able to do some like distance, like bike ride visits with some friends and and things like that. But uh, but really, right now, they're not seeing any friends at all. Playing some games and stuff online with their friends. But I I noticed that that deficit is so so massive when it comes to the peer group and just how how kids are missing out on that. Yeah. Um, I've also noticed since this is a question just about relationships in general that um, that friendships are also. Uh, I was uh, asked to, to give a quote to to an article uh, recently about you know is it okay to kind of pare down your friendships during this time or you know do you have to attend every Zoom uh, friendship gathering or can you can you step back once in a while those sorts of things mm-hmm. and and it's really about self awareness and what's really going to work best for you but. I know that there are some folks who have noticed during this time that, you know, they really, they really just need to, to kind of keep a tight group and they don't have a whole lot of extra energy for the, you know, the, the second and third ring of friendships out there that they might have. And, uh, and just in order to, to, be, to provide the best self-care for themselves, they might have to you know, put a hold on some of those until, until times are better, which... Right. Again, I think that goes back to just knowing yourself and, and asserting yourself and saying, you know what, I, I just, I can't, I can't give any more right now. <laughs> I've, I've done enough. Got to call it quits for the night. Yeah. So when it comes to, again, the downsides, I mean, I certainly, if there's a rise in domestic violence, that's, that's horrific. And if, if the, uh, even in, in the healthier relationships, if the, 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 the defense mechanisms that people used to have or the ways to kind of kind of politely avoid some of the issues um, have been taken away because people are spending so much time together. Um, yeah, let's, let's talk about strategies a bit. You know, what do you think people can do to, uh, to I guess, address these issues constructively or, um, or to find some, some breathing room here so that, uh, so that we're not at each other's throats? I mean, this is eight months of cabin fever a lot of people are dealing with. Mm-hmm. For sure. I think uh, building awareness of the communication style within the relationship, if we focus on that aspect of it, is important. Um, you know, so sometimes people are really good at conveying what their needs are. Uh, some people are a little more passive in terms of their needs, and that, and that can lead to some, some pretty significant issues. So, um, you know, obviously my, my dad is here, but he often mentions like, um, who talks about what were your parents' communication styles like, and um, again stepping back a bit and and uh, and, and looking at um, those tendencies, right? Because how do you change something if you're not aware of of what uh, what it consists of? You know, the problem with that, the challenge with that, Chris, is that I think couples are generally really aware of the other person's communication abilities or lack thereof, and they don't have much insight as to their own. And if they would listen to each other, they would gain insight as to their own because the other spouse will give them some feedback. Like I often say to couples, if you want to uh, assess how good a listener you are, ask your spouse, because you may think you're a really good or good friend. You may think you're a really good listener, but she or he's the one that'll tell you whether you're a listener or not. So if I were to promote one concept to study or look at, it would be how to listen better, especially with empathy. How do you listen with empathy, Dennis? We, we got time. Tell me about it. <laughs> well, the one, listen, I, uh, do we have that much time? <laughs> we got time. We got a little time. One thing I could tell you, I really like the emotionally focused therapies as Brooke and Chris will know. 
but the, when somebody says something ridiculous, weird, bizarre, nutty, outrageous, there's always a feeling lurking in the weeds. And a good listener will hear the feeling and not necessarily get hooked by the words that are being said. And with a child, it's not too bad. If a kid says, you're the worst parent in the world, I'd rather trade, trade you in, you don't go away feeling you're the worst parent in the world. You say, I got a tired kid here. I got a kid who's mad at me right now. And so empathy is hearing the feeling underneath the nonsense sometimes and, and trying to just acknowledge it. You don't have to agree with it. Or, so I've spent a lot of time trying to help couples hear each other. Mm. Is that, is that, I know, I know that, that some couples get into trouble when they, when they start to try to mind read or expect the other, their partner to mind read, right? Like, um, I say this, but what I really mean is that. I think what you're talking about is, has a little different nuance than that, doesn't it? Yeah, hopefully it'll be a little clearer. I mean, checking out your assumption, you could be right on, but uh, uh, mm. I mean, Chris, you and Brooke have had a few conversations. Uh, how does it go between the two of you as good friends? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just thought I'd ask because it's an ongoing challenge for, for, for friends as well as married couples. Uh, sure. You know, it's, uh, we have our different styles, but yeah, you know, I, I, think, I think it's also different when you're friends with therapists, mm -hmm. like the conversations that I can have with uh, anyone here tonight, Joanna, anyone at the office, it is a different conversation than when, even when you're having a more raw or open or vulnerable conversation to when I have them with my old high school friends. Mm -hmm. um, sure, they might be good at empathy, they might be able to name an emotion here or there, but it's a, it is a, I think, obviously, we are more trained at listening, so it's different. Yeah. I think we um, prioritize knowing within our friendship, just that connecting time, or the talk time, the tea time, I think is, what you'd refer to it as POFs. And so, and uh, also what we've noticed lately is trying to put the devices away, put the phones away because Huge. Uh, you, you can't fully listen to someone and be on your phone at the same time, right? So we've caught ourselves sometimes chatting, but as well as texting and we've been trying to, to shift that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, during that talk time, talk about the day and, and, and things that took place and luckily, as therapists begin to brief that maybe some sessions we had and what we kind of learned from that. So some highlights and challenges throughout the day. So I think that's important, but, um, but it is an ongoing, um, it's, it's an evolving process, I guess. Ryan, this talk time is a strategy I probably give every couple I work with. And I remember when I first came up with the idea, I call it daily talk time and I brought it home to Maureen and she literally went, she wasn't too impressed with the idea. And I said, why? Why? She said, leave the psychology at work. I don't, you know, I said, sounds like you're frustrated with me. And she, so I just said, you want a cup of tea? And she said, sure. And so we sit down and have a cup of tea for 15, 20 minutes and we would do this talk time. And it starts off with just where are you at? How are you doing? Trying to hear the mood of the other person and then do business and we're done, you know. So that little connection time each day is magical for couples. If they haven't been doing it and they start doing it, they rediscover each other. It's wonderful to see they got that spark back and then they have to learn to do some business together, but it's a good place to start. It sounds like you're, you're talking about some intentionality, some, some being really purposeful about this and saying, you know what, I'm going to, I'm not, instead of just trying to kind of, you know, kind of bump up against each other and run out, run against each other in the hall and, Oh, Hey, did you remember to do this? You're yeah. saying, let's, let's actually sit down and 
really intentionally have a conversation. Like you're saying, it doesn't have to be too much. 15, 20 minutes is all it takes. Yeah. Very intentional. In fact, I get them to schedule it and they think that's a bit artificial, but uh, these couples with young kids, you know, I mean, you're very, very busy people. And if you don't get that time, you'll drift apart. I mean, Bob Dylan wrote this great song lyric was we're busy being born or busy dying. And he could have been writing about marriage or friendship in general. We either take care of it or it drifts apart on us. So yeah, very intentional. Sure. And also listening to understand and not listening to respond, right? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you're caught up in your mind just thinking of what you want to say, but it's not about you in that moment. It's about trying to really understand, you know, mention the emotion, right? Just don't focus always on the words like it's the intonation and, and the tone and or um and then what's underneath that right that matters so much now on top of all of that i know that you guys are talking about relationships and friendships but i think a lot of these principles apply to parents and children mm-hmm. or teenagers at least like working with teens they try and pull away a lot but they actually really want that connection with their parents even but they they want it to be that they're understood because they're in that phase where they're not children anymore and they don't want to be spoken to like children they want their parent to talk to them more like an adult they want their opinion shared and to be validated um, to have a, a conversation and so i think it's important for for parents to take some of that initiative with their children too good point yeah yeah and then with with the teenagers too like sometimes uh parents get so caught up with the the chores and the homework and all the expectations but just generate dialogue and focus on what maybe they want to discuss. I think any moments of connection is beneficial during this time with a teenager. I, I agree. I don't have teenagers yet. My, my kids are preteens, but I definitely need to be intentional with them and, uh, and, and focus in on, on their needs. And I find that, that the best strategy I can, I can muster with my kids is just curiosity mm-hmm. and, and recognizing that, that they may they may shuck and jive they may not want to go there at this moment you know but i i figured that it's it's a win even if they know that i'm curious you know even if even if we don't end up having the full conversation if they know that i'm interested in them and i want to talk to them and want to know more about them then that's still a win you know that and and ryan you're opening the door of conversations like so if you're bringing up a topic that they maybe are uncomfortable about or don't want to talk about quite yet, whatnot. But by you bringing it up makes it okay for them to talk about it later. Yeah. You're already welcoming that. So I think it's so important that you're already doing that with the boys. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. I think that's, I think that's true. I, I hope so. I hope it's laying a groundwork that they know that dad's uh, willing to talk and ready yeah. when they are, you know, and I'm for not sure. going to, and I'm also not going to, browbeat them if they're not, you know, I'm not going to pester them. I don't want that, that dynamic to get in place either. You know, it's interesting. I, I do a lot of, I incorporate a lot of pop culture into the therapeutic work that I do. Um, but yeah, fostering curiosity is so important, but when you talk about a child's preferences, you're interested in it because they're interested in it. And there's, there's so much to it. And if they can educate you a bit in terms of, of, um, their favorite uh, Pokemon character and why, or, or what they like to do in Minecraft, if they do survival mode or creative mode and, and what kind of stuff are they working on? Like there's, yep. there's an endless, endless conversations that can take place and preferences and, and doing a bit of research on those topics yourself. So you kind of know what questions to ask can really 
enhance that connection and attachment with your kids. That works really well with couples too. I remember a couple that uh, were repairing their marriage and were doing quite well. I said, so what do you do for fun? And, and they said, well, we go to concerts. And I said, well, that's fun. What do you go to? Well, he goes to the opera and I go to country and rock concerts. I said, well, who do you go with? We all go with our friends. Oh, why don't you go together? Well, we don't like each other's music. I said, you're missing the point. It's not about the music. It's about being together. And even occurred to them that, and that point Chris made about let's stretch into our kids' preferences. Let's do that with our spouses too. But I want to add one other thing. I don't know whether it's happening with you, Ryan, but in our neighborhoods, a lot of people are getting out for walks. Oh, Their whole so family many. is walking out there. And that's a really nice way, right, for families to interact. Absolutely. We had a great, we had a great walk after, after the turkey, before the pie tonight. We had a nice walk, walked the dog around a few blocks, and it was great. Saw a bunch of people out there. Everyone's masked up, which is good. But... Uh, but yes, I think walking. Uh, there's there's this renaissance of walking happening in the in the world. I hope yeah. it's it's pretty nice. Yeah, some amazing yes. conversations happen when you're walking, right? Oh yeah, more yeah. okay. It's irritating though. We used to have the neighborhood to ourselves when we were walking. We could walk anywhere, nobody around. We didn't have to go out on the road to dodge people. Now we're dodging people and this and that. But we get to say hello to a lot of people, which is nice. So it makes the walk a little. A little more special. Sounds like yeah. a Seinfeld episode there. Oh, totally right. <laughs> Brooke, I what are you saying? Parade here, Dennis. I have like the parade that comes by the house, so I can I know everyone's walk schedules. And my oh, favorite, right. there's a gal that walks by at about eight a.m. Uh, and she just like is a bundle of joy. Uh, she's middle aged, maybe probably more senior aged, but uh, very. Like she always has a big smile on her face and her posture is really open and she's typically moving her arms all around and wow. smiling and just at a good pace and, and she just looks very joyous. So one of these days I'm going to run out and join her. Tomorrow morning. Go for oh, it. Right. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you never know. You might not yeah, ever have a chance. That's great. Yeah, you've been mentioning that for a long time, Brooke. I remember several yeah. months ago you talking about the fact that uh, you were kind of getting, there's that interesting sort of uh, friendship space where you kind of know them and you kind of can interact like, yeah, we know yeah. each other, but you haven't like introduced yourself with names and all of that quite yet. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. that's a big, that's a big part of the walking culture, I think right now. Yeah, as people yeah. walk by. So if I'm sitting out on the deck, now I can, you know, there's waving and talking yeah. to the dogs or whatever. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So let's bring it back to the, the relationship stuff here. Um, so we've talked about like, okay, let's say that you've, you're feeling a little bit of stress in, in COVID and, and kind of the cabin fever and talked about being, being intentional and trying to help, uh, help facilitate conversation and finding ways to be curious and all of that stuff. But I, I'm curious, I mean, Dennis, you're more of a, a couples guy. What, what about when people really are having some difficulties and they're having some significant challenges They're realizing, wow, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not enjoying this at all. I, and there's, and I feel stuck. There's nowhere I can go or gosh, I'm, I'm finding out things about my spouse that I, I really, uh, I don't like. Is there anything people can do if they're in that situation right now? You know, it, it's, it's a bit of a pressure cooker. I think that you're describing there. And I, I don't think you have to look too far to find some suggestions on how to be creative with this experience. And, uh, 
I was just looking at an article and there's something called the Happiness Institute and a little article in the paper talking about getting out of the house on your own and going out and chopping wood or doing something that uh, has some purpose to it, get a bit of exercise. I think people can be creative in building in space for themselves. We have a fairly large house where we raised a family here and we've been spending time in different rooms that we normally don't spend time in. We're not always in the same room at the same time or I'll watch a show and she'll play, uh, do something else. So, so I think we can be creative and give each other space. That might help a bit. Okay. Okay. Sure. That's good. I was thinking too that um, I was actually talking to a, a mother and a teenager today and uh, trying to neutralize those really intensive moments because arguments can break out. And before you know it, um, things can escalate and go off the rails. Right. And it's amazing. I kind of neurological level energy is flowing down to the limbic area and more reactive. And, and sometimes the logic, rationality, empathy, and morality go offline a bit. Right. And we say and do some really nasty things. So in that moment, um, you know, we often educate our clients on, on how to respond, have a bit of a game plan in that situation. So if a sports team, for instance, is not connecting like they should, you know, the coach or the captain will call that, that timeout, right? And that's uh, their time to kind of regroup and, and, uh, and implement some techniques that can actually calm the body down, right? Before maybe reconnecting and calling that time in and uh, addressing the underlying issues. There we go. That works well. I'll, I'll also use this as a moment to say that uh, there's this, this thing called couples therapy that people can do. And maybe, uh, and I'm sure there are many, many people during this time who have uh, who felt like there were no problems in their relationship, or maybe they were just kind of successfully avoiding the problems, as Brooke was mentioning before, right? And uh, a lot of folks who are probably reaching out to a couples therapy for the first time. And of course, nowadays, a lot of times that's, uh, that's online, sometimes it's in person, but uh, it is, there's no shame. There's nothing, nothing wrong with reaching out and saying, hey, we could use a little, little help here. Um, a little help kind of facilitating discussions, maybe uh, working through some of these underlying problems and, and uh, getting a, an outsider's perspective and maybe some tips and tools to help us uh, to make this relationship work a little bit better. So, yeah, big time. So, yeah. so looking for couples therapy is, uh, is, is a common thing and Dennis is available, right? Dennis. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm jammed. <laughs> I'm hoping Brooke and Chris are going to branch out and do some couples therapy one of these days, although they're jammed too. So I don't know, but you're right. Uh, we have a website. Uh, most practices do, uh, goes by my name, dennisboyd.com. And we have 25 years of articles there on marriage, on grief, on parenting. These two have written, I've written. So there's resources like that that can tide you over. And I've sent several people this last week to the mental health boot camp to work through some individual growth that they need to do because it's such a great, great program. So there's resources that people can tie into until they can get that professional help they're looking for. But don't be, don't be afraid to get a little professional help. And if you don't, Think it's working for you? Go to somebody else. Don't give up on it. Yeah, That's there's right. also a lot of really great books out there. Really, like so. If the idea of going, I think it's a good way to put your toes in the water. You know, if the idea of going to a therapist is a little bit too much right now, maybe maybe you and your spouse could have a little book club and uh, pick one that you both like and read it and talk about it. 
maybe uh oh what is that dennis do you is that a book that uh is, who's the author of that one is it you oh dennis boyd okay it is called it's a classic let me just get my plug no really marriage can't be great no really uh tools and tips to be married for life and loving it yeah. I think I think we're shattering records for uh, plugging our our programs and books. Eh? I know. <laughs> good. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's good. No, it's hey, a great book. I'm surprised the rotary banner is not behind you right now. <laughs> next, next time I come on as a guest, I'll I'll do the rotary thing. Yeah. <laughs> These guys are all big into rotary. Just to yeah. let you know. So yes, Dennis has a book about marriage, which is a great thing. I haven't read it yet, but. I, I will order it up right away. Anyone else have, you, you already mentioned uh, emotion focused therapy. So Sue Johnson's book, um, Hold Me Tight is, is a popular mm -hmm. one. Anyone else have any titles they, uh, they tend to refer to? Well, the Gottmans. Gottmans. Seven Principles know. for Making Marriage Work, yeah. right? And then the Gottmans were doing um, trainings. They were in-person weekends for, you could go as a, a couple if you wanted or as a professional and they would do a weekend sort of training and um, teach you essentially how to argue well. Great. Because uh, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna have arguments. So how do you argue yeah. well? And uh, so I don't know if those have moved online, maybe, but that might be a good resource maybe. as well. Yeah. There's an old. Uh, by, uh, go ahead, Chris. Oh, I was gonna say Gary Chapman, the love languages. Have you great referred part. to that quite a bit? Ah, that's a great one. Great part. Yeah, very short little book, but it's it's priceless. It comes up with some really good ideas on how couples can meet each other's needs because the golden rule, do unto others as you have them do unto you. In marriage, it's different. Do unto others as they want done unto them. And that's, uh, Gary Chapman's book really addresses that. Uh, Harville Hendricks, uh, no relation to Jimmy, uh, years ago put out a book called How to Get the Love You Want. Uh, and it is a great little book. Uh, the first part's on old brain, new brain. They can skip that part. The, the other part, though, has lots of discussion topics for to help couples get to know each other better. So Hendrix is uh, still a classic. Good book. Definitely a classic. I'd also like to I'll, I'll pitch for uh, uh, Stan Tacton. Um, he wrote a book called Wired for Love, which is all about attachment theory and how that applies to uh, to relationships. Good. which is uh, a really helpful kind of approach that I've found. Tatkin, Stan Tatkin. Um, and are there any others that I tend to use? Those, that's a good start. We got plenty. I'll, I'll, put, I'll put them in the uh, descriptions uh, for, the, for the podcast and people can take a look there and, and link to it if they want. Um, so there's books, there's therapy, there are these, uh, these little helpful ideas that we've been trying to mention here about being intentional, about talking to one another, uh, giving each other space, trying to, uh, try to be aware of what the other person needs as opposed to just what we need all the time, right? And, and then I guess, I guess it's worth mentioning here because you already kind of mentioned domestic violence there, Dennis. I mean, if, if, if we are talking about a situation where someone is feeling like they're in danger, if it feels like it's a, an unhealthy and unsafe situation at home, then please, by all means, do reach out for help. Do reach out to, um, to, to counselors, to doctors, to the authorities if necessary, and, uh, and do whatever is necessary to keep you and your kids, if you have them healthy. 
and mm -hmm. safe, mm -hmm. right? There are a lot of support services for persons if they're trying to leave abusive relationships. So um, definitely reach out and ask some questions and ask for in your local area because there's lots of agencies, there's transition homes, there's support services, there's places where you can get um, household items for free. Uh, there's a lot of support there. They're not always highly advertised or the advertising has to be a bit sneaky sometimes for the safety of the women. Mm -hmm. But the professionals will know and some of it will be online for who you can contact. That's great. I'll try to link to a couple of those resources too. So, yeah. so wow, gosh, everybody, we, we covered these relationships. I guess I will say in the spirit of the day that I am thankful to have relationships with the three of you. Oh. And, yes, uh, nice. and maybe a little less so with Joe because she's not here. So no, I'm just kidding. We'll make sure to pass that along. Yeah, happy. <laughs> I'm joking, Joe. Very happy to have a relationship with you too. Uh, that's it for this evening. Thank you again, Dennis, for pinch hitting again tonight. So so love having you with us. It's it's uh, it's it's an honor. So thank you so much. You're sure welcome. And that's it for tonight, everybody. Uh, please like and subscribe on Apple, Google, Podbean, or YouTube. Send us your questions if you have them to info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com. Visit us on Facebook or Instagram. Please tell a friend or two, maybe in other countries or other states or provinces. And uh, that's it for tonight, everybody. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.